Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise his name, Lord. Today I'm going to read one scripture today and then we'll pray and then we may be seated. In Genesis 11, chapter 4, chapter 11, verse 4. Today as you, as you turn there, I'm, I'm with... My brother Brian, I'm not, I'm not sure you can live three weeks without food. <laughs> Amen. Us birds don't worry about that. We worry about, worry about we're getting food. Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. The Bible says, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heavens. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad. Um, upon the face of the whole earth. Let us pray right now. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, anoint us in this morning session, Lord Jesus. I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to allow the Holy Ghost to flow into this place. Lord Jesus, through these words today, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, through the remainder part of this service, Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Allow words to be settled in our heart today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us. In Jesus' name today we pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, as you know, we've been on our first services, we've been doing this study, and it's kind of ties together. And for the first, this month, actually, or this session, there's actually was five Sundays instead of four, like normal. And but so the first Sunday, actually, I spoke on the same series about the purpose of creation. And then the second Sunday, Brother Rayleigh talked about God's redemptive plan. The third Sunday, Brother Williams talked about offering our best. And then last Sunday, Brother Brother Osborne, he talked about obedience to God's word. And these sessions they tie together. But to today, I'm talking about God alone deserves our worship. So as, these, as this series is, comes to an end this time, every week has been building. We was created, the purpose of our creation, and, and then we talked about God's redemptive plan. And then we offering our best and obeying God's word. And so uh, through all that, we must, God is the only one. As, as Brian, Brother Brian said, is all, he's the only one that deserves our worship. Today, as we, we look at things and look at life, you know, we find things, you know, the world is worshiping any and everything. And today, you know, we talk about that, and we, but it didn't just start in our generation. It didn't just start with us. It didn't just start with, you know, just a few years ago. Throughout history, we find throughout the Bible, from the very beginning of the Bible, not very long into the it didn't take very many paragraphs, and it didn't even take pages into the Bible, we find where where Mankind just started wanting to worship something else or found their, 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 their flesh wanting to worship their own flesh, wanting to worship things in this world. 
We look in the scripture I read today as a, it's talking about the tower of, they was building the tower of Babel. So, but today as we look at this question, we look back at, you know, Nimrod and the people of that day, or we look at before Nimrod, we look at back in, back in, right after, um, right after the fall in the garden, we find mankind looking and worshiping and doing things. They built cities where they could defend their enemy against their enemies, and they found themselves living in life and young men killing other young men, and just this world became evil, not very far into the Bible. We don't have to read but just a couple chapters and we find where people are being killed and killing each other, killing mankind. And the evil, just evil because of imaginations, you couldn't even believe what was some of the things that was happening. The Bible says, that it refers to this, men did what was seen right in their eyes. And throughout the Bible, we find people trying to do what they felt like was right. Not what God thought was right, not what the word of God says right. They felt what they seemed to be right in their own eyes. Then God destroyed the whole earth with a flood. And, we, and I know I'm not here giving us a history lesson today, but we all know this. But we know how evil kind and how everybody's wanted to worship their own things. And their society went to worshiping things besides God. And they found themselves in this evil place. And then God destroyed it with a flood. Our father Noah built an ark to escape. He used wisdom and he built a giant structure. He built a giant structure to save his family or he saved whoever would from this, from this destruction. Perhaps, you know, in life when we find where Noah built this structure, we built this boat and this major big structure. Perhaps in the junction of the thought of this, if, if we've posed between humanity and pride, Nimrod could have decided he could follow God and let God be the builder or the maker of a great city. Or, but Nimrod, he could not have, he could have been like Abraham. Because you know the story of Abraham is the very next chapter. You read that in the Bible. I mean, sometimes we look at the Bible, we find that Nimrod was, the story of Nimrod and the fall of the builder of the Tower of Babel and the fall that happened there, the mindset was there. And when God spread the people out, that was just one chapter before Abraham comes onto the scene. Nimrod, or he was a great, he was the, the Bible says he was the first great leader. He could have been Abraham. He could have been like Abraham. But, but he, he could not, Nimrod decided the problem with the human, human race was allowing themselves to live on the mercy of God. That was what he decided. He said, that was, that's our problem. Things is not going just like we should. It's not going just, everything's not just happening perfect in our life. It's because we're, 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 just, we're just relying on or we're allowing ourselves to live on that mercy of God instead of uniting together. We can do this. You know, what do we find today and even in today's world? If we unite together, we can do anything. That's what the society says. We can overcome this. We can overcome that if we just unite together. And there is a power in unity. But today, is, if we leave God out of that unity, we'll be like these rest. We'll, be, we'll find ourselves falling like Nimrod. We, if, what if we take the integrity of Noah? Here's what. If Nimrod says, what if we take the integrity of we find Noah in the, and of the paradise of Eden and combine them all with the cities of Cain? What if we roll the best ideals into one 
and we work together for a universal scale and make us a paradise city. This is what the people of Nimrod and the people were saying. If we'll just, we'll just tie together and we'll make this paradise city, build us a technological principle, use what Noah built. Noah built a boat to save his people. I think that same mindset that Nimrod and the people had was to build this structure. Noah built a boat, a giant boat, to save his family. So let's just build us a tower that overcome the flood. It will withstand any flood is what he, the, the Bible says. And here they were trying to save themselves by their own ways. It will elevate man to a paradise of heaven if we can just, we can, we can, we can save ourselves from these things. We can bring us all together in a mutual cooperation. If we're busy working ourselves together, we're, if we're busy working, making ourselves like gods, we don't have time to squabble. We don't have to fight over the things of this world. Has that, that spirit has followed into today's life. The, that's the, the spirit of today of society is if we'll just work together, we can overcome this and we don't have to worry about God. And if we'll just get this done or we'll get that done and medical technology, and I'm not doubting anything medical technology because if something happened to me today, I'll be first one probably headed to the doctor. But I'm just saying today, if you know, we we're find ourselves so dependent on this, things of mankind and not of God. Those who built the Tower of Babel were filled with something called pride. They could do it themselves. It didn't matter what everybody else could do. It didn't matter what, what God said to do. We can, we can accomplish this if we'll just bind together. They sought to make a name for themselves. In Genesis eleven four, as of the scripture I read before, the Bible says, and they asked, they said, go to us and let us build us a city and a tower. I just want to break this scripture down just a little bit. And a few phrases in this verse seems to stand out. The first one is, it says, let us make us, a, let us, let us make a name for ourselves. Weren't that the very words, let us, the very words that God himself used when he made mankind? He says, let us make. Here they are using what God's words, let us make so what, are they, what is the people of Babel doing? Were they trying to remake mankind into their own image? Here they were, here, here they're using that phrase, what if, let, us, let, us, let us make. And that's what God says, let us make mankind into our image. And he says, what, what is, what if, just think about that. What if the people of Babel was just trying to remake man in their own image? The phrase, the second phrase that I'd like to break down in this scripture is, lest we be scattered abroad. It says this reveals the fear that often forms in the foundation of false religions. Here we are, they knew the punishment of turning away from God. They had saw that. You know, here Nimrod was a grandson of Noah. Here he is just a couple generations away. He heard the stories of how his family, it was the only family that had made it through the flood. And why nobody else made it through the flood was the rebellion of God. You know, he probably heard them stories. But here he was, here he was in his own life allowing pride to creep in. The necessary ingredient for a successful false religions are the threat and a proud and promise to neutralize that threat. 
So many times in life we find, you know, we look at false religions or we look at things that's went away from the word of God. And the reason that is because they, they don't, they know that there's a judgment coming. And here they are trying to change the word of God, trying to change things or change, change their religion to the point of to get by that judgment. And we find ourselves allowing that pride in our life that, well, I can overcome this. Here, here Noah built a boat to overcome a flood. Now here the, the builders of the Tower of Babel, they were trying to build this tower to, to overcome a flood in, a, in the future. But here in life, you know, we find ourselves, if, as, as a society, we find ourselves trying to build something or trying to come accomplish something to overcome the judgment that is coming today. Because of that fear that we know that, that that's the, the, what, we know what the back of the book says and there is going to be a judgment day one day. And that's what the society, when you're, if you don't want to live by this word of God, you try to find a way to get around it. You try to find a way to not go down that path. And we try to find that fear of the unknown. And that, that's what pushes a lot of people. And here they were trying to, to accomplish something to, to, where they wouldn't be judged again like, they, like the people before them were. They found themselves in that place. They found themselves in that fear. It is important to notice that the narrative that follows the narrative of human failures and divine inventions. That narrative follows through society. One generation after another generation that has failed by these accomplishments. Every one of these follow in the same intervention. They find the same place, find themselves in the same place in judgment and confusion. We might say that everything surrounding the building of Babel was an attempt to build a secular religion by replicating what Noah did. But the thing about it is that they didn't replicate Noah's tech. They did replicate Noah's technology, but they did not bother with Noah's humility. The true essence of Noah's faith was his humility. Whatever God told him to do, he, was, he, he gave it to God. He gave God the honor. He, was, he didn't have that pride in his heart. And, and today, that's what the people of Babel, when they built the Tower of Babel, they built a structure just like Noah did. They built something they had never built before, but they built a structure. But the difference in their two buildings was, is the contractor. The contractor in their two buildings one was God and one was mankind. And so in that life, and if they find themselves, and that's where we find ourselves so many times. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we get busy in doing things and we try to do things, doing things for God, it seems like sometimes. But we need to make sure our contractors are right. We may make sure we're doing it for the right reason. Doing it because God wants us to do it. Doing it because that's what God is directing us and not because we can accomplish something by mankind. There's so many ministries, and I'm not false religions and things in this world that we follow, seen and happen and rise and fall. Mega churches that rose and fell because they didn't have the right contractor. They didn't have the right, they weren't doing it for the right reason. They were doing it for fame and for, 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 for money and fame and things in their life, but they weren't doing it because God. They were, they were, they were using this for their own self accomplishments. They allowed that pride. Some of them may have even started out right. Some of them may have even started out on the right path, doing it for the right reason. But if, and if we're not careful, that pride creeps in. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. But I can tell you today, it doesn't matter how high you get, God has a way of bringing you back down here. He has a way of bringing you humility. If you get out of the, get that right, that relationship out of, out of out of the out of balance
with him and get you, with with him, he'll get you back down here low enough that you 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 get humility, and he'll bring you back to that. He did ever throughout the Bible, throughout the history, when people, mankind got that relationship out of balance. He balanced that relationship for them. He hum, brought them back to humility. It was so much. You know, there was so much difference than the world. Very much different in the world today. We talk about the Tower of Babel. There are people that's just comp, trying to accomplish things. We must never ignore God or His Word. So many times in life, as I've already, already kind of got on this, but some of, in life we find ourselves trying to get by, get around this situation without what, how God says to do it. If we allow, align our life with this Word of God, God has given us directions. He's given us directions to face anything we face. If He don't give it in here, He'll give it to you in prayer. And so, so many times in life we find ourselves trying to get around with God, but we got to must stay in the path with God. The way people of Babel led to where humility's way of the way that people the people of Babel led to where humility's way always leads, and that is to confusion and to division. The way they went about things, it always is going to lead to confusion and division. If it's not, if you ain't got God at the center. You don't have, and I've heard this many times in marriages, if you ain't got God at the center of that marriage, it's going to be confusion and there's going to be some division. And so everything else in our relationship with our brothers and our sisters, if we don't keep God right in our life and don't keep him where he belongs in our life, there's going to be some confusion and there is going to be division. Can I tell once someone today, the religion of, the religion of Babel is still alive today. That religion that they started in that day is still alive today and it's in our society. As a society, we may well be at this moment in the middle of another Tower of Babel project. As a society, we, well, I think you know, the society is trying to build something. It may not be a tower, but it is something spiritually. We're trying to get around. We're trying to get around that same pride. That same pride that, that instilled in these people, that same pride to go against God is here today. Pride will destroy a relationship with God. Pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you have pride in your life, you will fall. It don't matter how big it is. It don't matter how big the foundation is under you. You think that's under you. If you have pride in your heart, you will fall. And you will fall to destruction. This is true on an individual level, but this is also true in a society level too. It's, not, it's just as true in my life, but it is so it's true in a nation or even in, a, in society. That same society will fall if they have the pride out of... Our culture is ignoring the warnings of the past and ignorantly building on a version of the Babel. The tower which was being built is an attempt to unify human beings will ultimately lead to a greater confusion. And that's what it did in the day of Tower of Babel. As they built this building, as they was, they was trying to come together, what did God do? He confused their language. He scattered them across the world. And so today, you know, don't matter how hard we try to go, if we don't have God in the center of it, it's going to be confusion and it's going to split up. God resists the proud. God actively works against the prideful. No doubt you have experienced opposition in your life. We all have experienced opposition in forms that range from very mild in our life to very, very large things, large resistance in our life. 
You probably remember when you was a, as a child growing up. Sometimes when we started doing things wrong, we had a parents in our life that changed that, that opposition. They guided us back the right way. There's times in, my, in our life we would say, you know, you, you start going down a wrong road and there'll be an opposition there. Or you try to do something in your life that you think is right and that, that opposition steps up in your life and says, no, you don't need to go down that road. You don't need to go that way. And you may think, oh, that's the way I need to go. But we had a parent in our life that said, oh, that's, you don't need to do that. We had opposition in our life because that authority that we had over our life. We take this to another level in life. You know, we had that, we had that in our life, but you know, sometimes in life we find that throughout our life. We find them levels of opposition going against things that we think is right. But think that as a level. Sometimes we, we may have that opposition, say it's an angel or a demon, something in our life that's, that's pushing us or directing us. But today, no amount of work or on our part alone could overcome sometimes some opposition we have in our life. But what if today, if God is in opposition of you? What if today is, if, if you're standing before God and would you have hope of you could possibly have opposition against God or go against God in your life? What power could you call upon to resist against things in your life that you went against God? If God is there directing you, trying to, to uh, be opposition or trying to, to keep you from going down some road, sometimes we push through that. Just like we did with our parents. Sometimes in our parents' life, we had something, some made up mind. We think this is gonna be where I need to go. And sometimes we went against our parents or get some guidance in our life. And we found ourselves down the wrong road. But sometimes when we go against God, that, that road to destruction is going to be a lot worse. It doesn't matter what we face. Sometimes, you know, in this world, we think, well, I should have not went down this road. I should have listened to that person in my life. or I should have listened to that opposition that kept me, tried to keep me from going down this road. But if we turn our life and turn that against God and go against the word of God, or if we go against the way God is directing us, if we get out of his will, there's no way to get back until you get back to where you was at. And so, so many times in life we find ourselves allowing our life to get so far away. When pride enters the equivalation, failure and destruction is no longer maybe going to happen. It is a certainty. When we allow pride to enter into our spiritual life, it's not if we're going to fall, it's just when we're going to fall. We must continually every day fight against pride. Before God becomes our opponent, we would do well to resist everything that God resists us. If God says it's a sin, it needs to be a sin in our life. If his word says it's a sin, it needs to be a sin in our life. If God, God is a opposition against something, it needs to be opposition in our life. We need to align our lives with this word of God. We are called to walk humbly before God and before man. The apostle Paul taught the Philippine, the Philippians congregation to esteem others as better than themselves. Do you, do you regard that person or any person as better than yourself? Do we look at people in our life and sometimes in life we look at people, do we put people before ourselves? Are we being like God? And that's what the question should be. Are we being like God? Are we being a reflection of God in our life? 
The apostolic way is the way of humility. That's not just the apostolic way. That's the way of God's way. God's way is to be of the way of humility. God's ways is above our ways. In our world, are we adopting a holiness view of men and women in our mindset? Are we, are we adopting that in our life? Where does your life stand up against the word of God? And I know I may be getting away from where I'm at today, but where does your life stand up against the word of God? God is, he, he, he wants us to align our life with this word. Today, as we go to the next step, God, he, he responds to sincere worship. And when we get our life right and we get our directions right, we'll start worshiping him. He wants sincere worship. Sincere worship is birthed through humility. And that's why I was talking about humility is because when we get that, our the self out of the way, we get our self moved out of the way, then God can be you, be, he can, when God can move, come in, when we really truly worship him, we can't truly worship him until we get that pride, that self out of the way. The humble heart is full of grace and gratitude and wisdom. Where there is humility, God work, God's work will soon be evidence. What are we allowing to influence our level of worship? Today, every service we walk in, and not just service time, but when we walk into this house of God, what are we allowing to affect our worship? Are we allowing the, the cares of this world? Are we allowing the things that we face today, the things we're going to face when we walk out of this building? Are we allowing that to affect how we worship God? Are we allowing the, the, this world to affect us? This world is going to be gone. The one that's going to be true is God. Are we allowing what he does for us in our life? What has he done for you today? We may, when we sit back and we think about that and when we sing that song about talking about God is our breath. And as, as Brother Brian said this morning today, when we talk about that, God gave us that breath. When we talk about this breath that's in me is yours. He gave us that. When you find yourselves, when you find out, think about what God has done for you. Am I worshiping him when I'm in his house for what he's done for me? Or am I allowing the cares of this world to me just sit back and allow this to just, just pass by, click off another service and say, well, God ain't done nothing for me. Sometimes, sometimes in my life I feel like I'm sitting there and I'm letting the cares of this world get me to a place and I'm, I'm worried about what's tomorrow and I'm worried about this and that. And then I realize... It doesn't matter. I need to be worshiping God. That's what I'm here for. Not, for. not for this or not for that or anything else. I'm here for worshiping God. Not just for what he's done for me, but what he is going to do for me. And so today in our life, you know, what are we allowing to affect our worship? That is why we worship our way through storms. When we're facing storms in life. We don't need to sell up and get in our own home and get away from him. We need to worship our way through it. It ain't gonna do no good to be over there crying and begging on the bed and about in our sorrows if we'll just start worshiping God. We'll start worshiping him through everything. I will worship him through all the things that I face. God deserves our best worship. He deserves everything. If he's never does anything else for me, He's healed my body enough in just the last few months that I would worship him forever because he has done so much in my life 
He's done things in my life that deserves more than what I could ever do. Hey, I'm unworthy of the worship that I could give him, but I should be worshiping him at everything that I've got. Just two weeks ago, I was in a prison service and I've shared this testimony with a few people and as the service started, everything that could go wrong went wrong in that service. And the prison that I go to in Madison, I have a full band or full musicians and singers, worship leaders, and the guy that leads worship, I just want to share this. And I, he's an apostolic, grew up on an apostolic pew. He's led worship in apostolic churches. But he's found himself in prison. He said, I'm worshiping God like I do. And he stands behind that, pul- that pulpit in that prison every service, and he worships God. Last, last two Sundays ago, the service started and the bass guitar went crazy and they had to stop and fix that and a couple things. But when the thing about the services, when we walk into them services, and I know I'm getting away from my text, but I just want to share this. He, he, there's three or four guys that's on their face weeping, travailing for that service, every service when we walk in. And as that service began, everything that could go wrong went wrong. And they started praying and he walked to that pulpit and he says, let us pray over this distraction, this destruction. And he started praying, and then as they sang three songs, the Holy Ghost fell in that, in that in that chapel. There was guys standing up all across that place with tears flowing down their eyes during the worship service. I walked to the pulpit. I had a message when they turned the service over to me. But when I walked, I passed the guy that was leading worship. When I passed him on the platform, he was speaking in tongues under the under the Holy Ghost. And I, when I got to the pulpit, there was so much Holy Ghost on top of me at that moment. I knew right then that we needed to just entertain that spirit. And as we entertained that spirit, they, God just started moving. These people just started standing up, started praying. We were worshiping in that service. They came back and they took up, they just went back to singing. They started singing a song and the Holy Ghost fell during that worship service. And I walked to the pulpit and I said these words. I said, during this worship service, because of y'all's worship, there's somebody in this service needs something. And because of y'all's worship, God is here to supply that need. And when I said that, six men got up out of their seats and ran to the altar. And they were weeping. I walked out and laid hands on them. And one of them, as soon as I started, he's a guy that's got the Holy Ghost, but he was battling things. And I started praying for him. He starts speaking in tongues. And the guy on the platform, he, he's leading worship. And the Holy Ghost fell all over that place. And it was just, just we, I never even preached. No value in the word of God. I mean, that's the most important part is the word of God. But because of their worship, God supplied their needs. There was two different men walked up to me after service. Two different men walked up to me after service and said, thank me for following the will of God. But they they said, if you'd have went on with what you think, I was at that point, I was needing something from God. And during that worship service, because they was true worshipers, because they may have been behind prison, they may have been in all blue suits, they may have been had this, or they may have been whatever they battled before they got to that chapel. But they, they were connected with God. They were in true worship and as they worshiped God, God delivered them because that sincere worship, God answered their prayers. God deserves our best worship. I will worship only the one, the, only the one true God. Exodus 20, 
says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. As, as Jesus was talking to Satan in Luke 4 and 8, he says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship. Today I come here today, we worship in one God. There's one God we worship. Jesus said it to himself. He said it to Satan himself. He says, Thou get behind me, Satan. And if you're worshiping anything but, but the true God, you're worshiping Satan. So we must tell Satan to get thee behind thee and I shall worship the true God. Colossians 3 and 17 says, and whatsoever you do, word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Today as we give our, our best to God, we must worship that one true God. The apostle Paul said this would be the way of things of the church in front, piloting the way to new creations. As the old creations groan and wait for the sons of God. The Bible says in Romans 8 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creatures awaiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Here the, here the world is waiting to see what God is. We've got to be the church. We've got to be the forefront. We've got to be the one leading this. And so, and so in times in life, you know, we find ourselves, where's our place in this world? As a church, where's our place? We must be in the forefront. We must be leading this because the thing about, you know, we say, well, they won't listen to me. They didn't listen to nobody else. They didn't listen to Noah. Noah preached for all them years while he was building the boat. Nobody listened to him, but because Noah did the right thing, him and his family was saved. And throughout the history of the Bible, we find places after places where the men preached, the apostles preached the message. They, they walked with Jesus. They had testimonies they saw they could share of God's, where Jesus healed people. But there were so many people that would throw them into prison because they didn't want to hear the message. But they preached the message and the word of God went forth. And, and so today as we find ourselves in this life, we find ourselves in this, in this place of where we stand in God. We gotta be the forefront. We gotta be leading the attack. We gotta be leading people to, to God. We, you never know when you're, what you're gonna face. You never know when someone's gonna walk into the building. You never know when someone's gonna walk into the place and, or into your place of work or business that's gonna need something from you. They're not gonna need money. They're not gonna need this or not need that. They're gonna need you to be, show them the reason to worship their true God. Lead them the direction. They, you may not have to sit down and share them a Bible study. We, we lead people with our walk with God. We lead people every day as we walk through life. We go through life leading people. In other words, sometimes we find ourselves, you know, looking at life and there's, there's to be a fulfillment of life and peace. The people would be skilled. You know, we find ourselves as people that are in life, you know, we find ourselves skilled in the things of this world and they try to substitute that for the worship for God. You know, we look at life and we talk about worshiping God and we find ourselves looking into this world saying, well, what, you know, what other gods are before us? I believe there's Jesus. I hear people all the time tell me, I believe in Jesus. And I believe he's the one God and I believe this here. So, so I'm not worshiping no other God. But they've allowed things of this world. They've allowed society of this world. They've even allowed, they've, they've put their dependence in, 
and government. They've put their dependence in things of this world to the place that that's became their God. And so in life, you know, we find ourselves putting other things in front of God. God is a selfish, no, he's not a selfish, but he's a, he's a, he wants us to worship him only. And that's his guidance. He calls us to just for that. And so, so in life, we find ourselves, you know, just struggling where we're going and where we place we, we need to be. God is wanting us to, to put, our, put our worship and our trust completely in him. And today I feel like this in my spirit. I feel like we need to, need to worship God. We need to lead the society into worship. But as we do that, we, have, we have, must have to get our own true worship right. We need to get, like I said earlier, I just want to go back when I, today, in my message when I talked about what is hindering you from worship. I've heard stories about things, you know, people that, you know, at that point in their life and God asked, people ask them, what's hindering your worship? And there's been some crazy things that came out. And every one of us has some, our own struggles. We have our own battles. But I'm here to tell you there's nothing worth, nothing worth of this world. Not, nothing comes close to worshiping God. If we'll put our troop completely trust in him, the one and only God. As we stand across here today, I ask us today, what are, I ask you that one question again today. What, are, what is hindering you from worshiping God? What is, what is hindering you from being that, giving him it all? Giving him your everything. Today, as I ask us today, I ask us to raise our hands, let's just lift our hands across the place and I ask us right now, Lord, to, to answer that own question in our own life. Lord, I give you everything. I give you my all today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.